You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Today, we are finishing uh, this Audacious Life series, final installment. So if you've not been with us, we've been talking about this audacious life. What does it mean to live an audacious life? What, uh, we've been looking at our culture points and what that includes. And we've been looking at the life of Jesus, because if anyone lived an audacious life, it was Jesus. And our key scripture has been Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus growing in favor with man. See, Jesus, he was someone that walked with people, he talked with people, he laughed, he cried, he had the highs and the lows. And in his humanity, he was not exempt from all the things that we experience every day in our relationships. So when it comes to looking at relationships and how do we best do relationships, then Jesus is the guy to look at and we can learn a lot from him. One of my favorite things I love to do is reminiscing. Anyone love a good reminisce? You know, back in the good old days. And nothing like a good reminiscing session with some pictures to trigger a few thoughts, isn't that? So we got some pictures. I asked Sarah. <laughs> she found this one. This is in the Crown Plaza. In the good, in the, back in the day, we've got one there of the building. This is what it looked like before. We all worked our socks off to make it look so beautiful. And uh, it's progressed as time's gone on, which is great. There's me and Mark. That's fun. There we are in the Crown Plaza, early days. And there's a young Lee and a Joshua. I don't know if you're here, but there you are. And uh, back to them. You can take them off now. That's good. I don't want to look at myself a few years ago. It's depressing. Anyway, um, but the thing is, when you look at pictures, it's generally, uh, it's not the places that you remember, but the people. It's not the monuments that you try and get that really cool shot of, but it's the moments that you create, the memories that are made. And I reckon our friends in our life, the people God surrounds us with, is one of God's greatest gifts to us. People in our lives is what adds color. It's what makes life so good. I think Pastor Glenn always says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And it is so true. We need to make sure we've got the right people in our lives. If we have the wrong people speaking into us with their uh, negative opinions and their theories and thoughts, and we allow those to shape our lives, hold us back, then it's not going to go well. But if we have people who are faith-filled, who have got the love of God, who are cheering us on, who are saying, come on, you can do this. Look what God's got for you. Look at your future. Then I know that life's going to go pretty well. I want to say that this audacious life is not a solo sport. We were never designed to live in isolation. Like one of the very first things that God says is, it is not good for man to be alone. Like right at the beginning, he knew that it was not good for man to be alone. He designed each and every one of us for interdependence. Firstly, interdependence on him, but then interdependence on each other. For us to be each other's cheerleaders, for us to be each other's support mechanism. That's why, uh, how he created us. And I think not one of us, you know, wakes up and thinks consciously, I don't want good friends. 
I don't want good people in my life. I don't want to, you know, progress with my friendships. I just want to have, you know, low maintenance. I want to have the convenient, shallow, no purpose, no uh, longevity. That's the kind of relationships I want. I don't think anyone wakes up thinking that. Anyone? No. No. But the problem is that life is fast. Life is full. Life kind of just has a really, really high turnover. And if we are not careful, if we are not intentional with our relationships, if we don't make them a priority, then what we end up with at the very best is just relationships that are simply maintained, that are shallow, that have no depth to them, that will not stand the test of time. And we want, uh, as part of church and part of this audacious life, for us to be building long-lasting relationships, relationships that can stand the test of time, relationships that can weather all storms. I think about the analogy in the Bible where it talks about the man who built his house upon the rock compared to the man who built his house upon the sand. When the storm came, the guy with the house on the sand, it didn't stand the test of time. It just collapsed. It fell apart. But we want to be people who build rock-type relationships, who have longevity, who have purpose, who have a place of foundation that when the storms come, we can just stand the test of time. We can go through all things together. So how do we build these relationships? How did from Jesus, he did exactly that. He grew his relationships. He was only on the planet for a short time, but he still uh, had favor with man. Of all the four things that could be mentioned in this verse, favor with man, growing healthy, strong relationships is one of them. So how do we do that? The first thing is this, is that we have to be fiercely determined. Let's face it, building great relationships, it's not for the faint-hearted, okay? Relationships, they're hard work, They take time. They take effort. It requires resilience, persistence, perseverance, a whole lot of grit. Me and Mark last month, uh, in fact, I don't know what month we're in. In September, we celebrated uh, 19 years of being married, which is pretty good, I think. Um, And let's say, you know, there's nothing like building your grit muscle than being married, is there? It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of pushing through. And I think what I'm talking about when I'm saying about we've got to be fiercely determined, it's not stopping at the first hurdle. It's just having to push through. And I think over the 19 years of, you know, happy marriage, some of the time, that we've had to push through a lot. You know, the time when he put the wrong petrol in the car. So instead of spending our whole, you know, 10-year wedding anniversary in glorious countryside, we spent it in a pub car park waiting for the RAC. You know, we had to push through that. Or the time that he decided he was going to himself wallpaper our lounge, which was going well until the next day and it all fell down. You know, we had to push through that. You know, it's okay. You're gifted, babe, just not in DIY. And then a few years later when he decided he was going to redo our whole bathroom, you know, all by himself. He made a whole little show about it. He thought it was brilliant. Just like to say, it's still not finished. It takes grit. It takes perseverance and resilience and push through all the little niggles and frustrations. And Jesus did exactly that. There are many times that we read where I think Jesus is so ticked off with these guys that he chose to be with. Let me read you in Mark 8 verse 17. Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have ears but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember... When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many pieces of 
Did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Like, I'm thinking, Jesus, he is like so ticked off. He's like, just these guys, they don't get it. How frustrating, how annoying. But what we don't read in, you know, the next chapter is it saying, Jesus was really frustrated with the 12 he chose, so he moved on and chose 12 more. It doesn't say that. These guys, these buddies he, twelve, uh, he chose, he persevered, he pushed through, he was firstly determined to have great relationships, and they're still with him when he went to the cross. In life, you are going to have, in relationships, conflict, and things that are going to really tick you off and push you to your limits. But I've got to say, we've got to be people that keep going, that we push through. One of the biggest things I think that we struggle with is offense. Luke 17 verse 1 says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. Wow. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't get offended? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't get offended when someone like took our car space and that was ours, it had our name on it. Or, you know, someone pushed in the queue in front of you and you were in a hurry because it's always then, isn't it, when you're in a hurry and someone cuts in on you. Or, I don't know, someone decides that they're going to put the empty milk carton back in the fridge. Offensive. Or when somebody um, doesn't stack the dishwasher the way it's meant to be stacked. That's offensive, isn't it? Or after maybe, I don't know, 19 years of marriage, that, you know, they still give you the cup with, you know, you just hate that cup. And every time you have to tell them, I don't like that cup. Gosh, offensive. This is good therapy. <laughs> the thing is, we laugh, right? But we all get offended. We all have our fence piles and things. We allow things to build up and take over. And so many people these days, I think they have hard hearts and soft skin. Hard hearts that are not willing to change, but soft skin and they let every offense come. And we need to have the opposite. We need to have uh, soft hearts, willing to change, willing to grow, willing to learn, forgive, but uh, tough, hard skin, that we're going to choose not to be offended by everything and everybody. We've got to push past that if we're going to have great, long-lasting relationships. We've got to be people who decide we're going to uh, forgive easily, have light accounts with people. I would say both offense and forgiveness are a choice. I can choose to be offended or not. I can choose to offer forgiveness or withhold it. Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Bear with each other, push through, have a bit of grit, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a tough call. Forgive one another. I think we see amazingly Jesus where he just shows the perseverance and determination when he goes to wash his disciples' feet. I won't read you the verse, haven't got time. But Jesus is there. He knows that one of his closest people to him is about to betray him. I mean, you know, I wouldn't wash your feet at the best of times. <laughs> but Jesus, in that moment, he chooses to kneel down and wash the feet of someone that is about to betray him. Talk about being fiercely determined to push through, get over, forgive, let go. For us, we've got to follow this example that Jesus has shown us, that we have to forgive, 
have light accounts. Push three. Do not allow offense to take over. Do not allow offense to stop us or rob us of building great relationships with one another. And the good news is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do, don't be fooled, you cannot do great relationships without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help to push through for perseverance, you know, push through with, you know, your husbands. We need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit offers us peace, joy, forbearance, self-control. We can decide what we do and don't do. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to be fiercely determined in our relationships. Push through, pass offense. The second thing is this, is that we have to be fiercely devoted. Fiercely devoted. We've got to choose to go deeper. See, the deeper the foundations, the more chance it has of standing the storms, of having longevity, of having you know, great relationships years down the line. And when we look at Jesus, he was committed to going deeper. See, he had the crowds, didn't he? What, most of the accounts, he always had the crowds following him everywhere, and he was healing them, and he was being with the crowds. But he was also committed to going deeper with those closest to him. It says in Mark 6, it says uh, 31, then people, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have chance to eat, that is not good. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. See, Jesus knew that if he was going to stay devoted to the masses, he had to stay devoted to those closest to him. He had to take time out to retreat, to go that little bit deeper. And I think that Jesus' love and devotion is what helped erode the frustrations and the annoyances and kind of getting over those little things, those niggles that really annoy and I reckon I've noticed that in my own life. You know, when you're just in the office and you're kind of doing life with people, I'm sure you can relate in your families or in your office spaces. And those times where you just, just people get a bit nudgy, don't they? Do you know what I mean? And you get a bit annoyed and frustrated of, you know, why are they, uh, they're late again or they've, you know, they've not done the thing that they said they're going to do. They've left early. They're kind of talking a bit sharply. And there's, there's kind of, it just bubbles up. And you think, ah, oh, just annoyed with those people. Is it just me? Anyone else? Honest, you know? Yeah, come on, there's more of you. And the thing is, you can kind of let it build up. But then something happens when you kind of go a little bit deeper with people. You know, go step out of the home, step out of the office place, grab a coffee with someone, and you start to go deeper. Ask a few little deeper questions. You soon realize context of people's lives. The reason behind the way, you know, the reason they're coming late. The reason that they're like that, because they're dealing with all this stuff. They've got all this stuff going on back home. And you're suddenly like, ah, oh, and it kind of changes your whole perspective on people because you chose to go a little bit deeper. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because this covers a multitude of sins. I love that. When we go deeper with people, that actually the little annoyances, the things that kind of just tick you off a little bit, you know, love covers that when you go a little bit deeper. You have a compassion for people that you didn't have when you go past the shallow, when you go past the surface, choose to go and be devoted to one another, going a little bit deeper. And I want to encourage you, in your small groups, if you're not in small group, then I want to say, get in a small group. Because otherwise we can do that at church. 
We can have those convenient, maintained relationships where it's like, hey, how are you? Yeah, good. You shake people's hand on the door. And we're just kind of like, it's good and it's convenient to, you know, have, say, have a little conversation. I don't know about the football or about the weather or about the next milestone your child's done. And that's all good. But it's, that's, there's more to it. We're not supposed just to have these convenient, shallow, um, mediocre relationships, but deep relationships, deep foundations with each other. So I'd encourage you in small groups, go a little bit deeper. Ask a little bit more questions. Open yourself up a little bit more. Which leads me on to the next thing. If we're going to develop these relationships, then the next thing is that we have to be wildly authentic. Wildly authentic. See, Jesus, he was the real deal. No hiding, no masks, no fake Instagram account. What you see is what you get. He was real, honest, vulnerable. And I think the account that we read in the Garden of Gethsemane is probably one of his most vulnerable moments. In Matthew 26, it says, uh, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. This is in the garden. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow, Jesus, honest, raw, vulnerable. That is pretty wildly authentic. And if we're going to develop these relationships that stand the test of time, we've got to go deeper, but we've got to be wildly authentic. We can't hide behind the mask and the facade and, you know, the world and social media tells us that we have to be perfect, which means everyone's trying to be more perfect. And the reality is, is that, well, being fake is hard work. It takes a lot of time and effort to be fake. But we were never designed to be fake. And I reckon this morning, the Holy Spirit's just pressing some of you, saying, come on, it's time just to be the real you. Honest, raw, authentic. Not walking around like a closed book so no one can read who you are. No one can get beneath the surface. No one can get into the real, you know, things that are going on in your world. But we were never designed to do that. I remember in lockdown, remember that? (laughs) Praise the Lord, we're over that. But I remember, you know, that there was a moment um, in Manchester, I I think there's different rules in different places in Wales, but there's a moment where we're allowed to meet one person on a bench. Remember that? It's like, yes, it felt like a party. (laughs) We're like, yes, get me to a bench with one person. This is epic. And me and my friend, we said, you know, like, we're done with Zoom. Let's meet on the bench. And we kind of had a moment, and it was almost like, you know, oh, how are you, you know, after all this time, because there's only so much you can do on a screen, all this time just, you know, being next to each other. And it was like we just had a moment where we agreed, should we just be real? <laughs> should we just say how it's really gone these last few weeks and months in lockdown with our family, with our kids homeschooling, with everything we've got to do? Should we be real? And honestly, in that moment, it broke something in our relationship. Like, we've been friends for years. I'm thinking, you know, how can we go any deeper? But there was something where something just happened. And gosh, the freedom, the release of being able to be like, oh, someone knows me. Someone knows how I feel, knows where I've been, can kind of speak faith and hope and say it's going to be okay. And, you know, we're doing that for each other, being each other's cheerleaders. But it required us to both be raw open, vulnerable, honest, taking away the mass, the thing that we think everyone else wants us to say or act and be. Gosh, to be wildly authentic. The freedom that comes, church. Honestly, the freedom that comes from just being you, who God created you to be. At the end of the day, we're all flawed people. 
None of us are perfect. That was Jesus' job. We're all flawed. But thank God for his grace. Thank God that he covers us with his grace every day. You're covered by his grace. You're covered by his grace. You're covered by his grace. We are not the finished article. Take the pressure off. God's not done with you yet. It says in 1 Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You're being built. We're not done yet. God's still working on us. God's still working on those little things that, you know, that need to go or need to grow and develop. God's still working on us. So pressure off. But also, that goes for your friend. That goes for your husband or your wife. That goes for your kids. That goes for the people, the really annoying person at work. It just ticks you off. That goes for them. They're still being built. So we have to apply grace where we want grace. We have to apply grace to other people. So we've got to be wildly authentic, be real. And if we're going to do all that, then church, I want to say that we have to be seriously fun. Seriously fun. John 10.10, Jesus says, you know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life to the full. Jesus was the no killjoy. He was life and soul of every party. His first miracle, he turned water into wine. He had a habit of walking around just wanting to um, kind of break every religious, um, you know, pretense that people have put up. He would, uh, let's think, let me have a look in my notes, that'd be good, it tells me. He, you know, he healed on the Sabbath. He picked grain on the Sabbath. He went and ate with tax collectors. Everything that religion would say, don't do. He was like, guys, there's purpose, there's life. Let's focus on that. Don't like make religion your God. This is about living life to the full, having a party. So I want to say when it comes to your friendships, have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. Like if you're going to open up and be like, this is me, this is me, real me. Then you're going to have to have a little laugh at yourself and go, got that wrong. (laughs) Made a mistake there. Oh, gosh, what a wally. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have a laugh. You've got to have some serious fun. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. It's good for your soul. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I encourage you, don't leave your pot of joy, your happiness at home on a Sunday. This should be the best place on a Sunday, which I think it pretty is. You guys are good at fun. I think you've got that. But let's keep bringing joy. Keep bringing laughter. Don't take yourself so seriously. The people that I have had, the best belly laughs. You know when your sides are literally hurting, you're like, I stop. I can't laugh anymore. The people that I do that with are usually the people that I've been in the valley with crying the most as well. And I just love the beauty of relationships, of friendships, of people that God's put in our world. They're designed to be the people that you have the belly laughs with, the mountaintop moments with, that you're like, yes, we did it. Thanks for cheering me on. Thanks for doing this. We did it. And they're there, the people who are going to be in the valley with you, saying it's okay. Come on, we can have faith for this together. Come on, I'm going to put my arms around you. Come on, I don't know why this has happened, but we can pray and we believe and I just want to give you a hug. That as well. There is so much richness in people that I think we only just scratch the surface of sometimes. So how do we, you know, get these great relationships? We can't just click our fingers and be like, yes, great. I want great lifelong relationships and it all just happens on a plate. You know, that would be really good. But it doesn't. I think it starts firstly with gratitude. 
Let's be thankful for the people that God's already put in our world. Let's not be looking around and say, God, who you've put in my world, I'm so thankful for them. Thankful for the way that they love me. Thankful for the way that they input, invest into me. Thankful. Just find something. Thank, be grateful for the people that God already has in your world. Because God's put you around people and they'll be there for a reason. Even the people that annoy you, can I say. Sometimes God puts those people there just to build your character. You're like, get these people away. And God's like, no, I'm going to keep them there. It's good for you. But be thankful for them. And then the next thing we have to do is we have to prioritize. This isn't just going to, this isn't about a microwave meal, just pressing go and there it is on a plate. This does take hard work. It does take time. It takes effort. But I want to say you will reap the harvest. You will reap the, the great relationships. When, you know, the reason Jesus could be wildly authentic in the Garden of Gethsemane was because he'd had years of longevity of pouring in, investing, meeting up with him, eating with him, retreating with him, going deeper with him. That's why. And if you want those people in your life when you're in the valley, which I'm telling you, you're going to need them, you're going to want them, then we've got to be people that prioritize great relationships. Carve out time, make it a priority, even when you just want to lay on the sofa and you don't want to go to small groups. I want you to be reminded of this message. Come on, I'm going to prioritize being with people who are going to be good for me. Make people a priority. Make great memories. The more time you spend with people, the overflow will be the belly laugh moments. The overflow will be the moments where you can be honest and real. I think we used to, for years, we just used to have people around the house till, I mean, this was when I was younger and I could handle it. But you know, till like 2 a.m. when I was doing youth, having tea and toast. But the relationships that were forged, the memories that were made are incredible. So go and make memories. Climb a mountain. I don't know. Go and do whatever you like to do with people. Have a laugh. Do something that's going to take you out of your comfort zone and you can laugh about how terrible you were. But create memories, prioritize time with people. And the thing is, it says here in John 13, 35, it's talking about our relationships. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One of our greatest adverts for how much God loves us is how we love one another. So let's do it well, hey? Let's choose not to be offended. Choose to forgive choose to persevere, to push through, to have grit, choose to go deeper, choose to be real, authentic, vulnerable, and let's have some fun. I really believe that God wants to do some work this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I think there's definitely some freedom that's needed in this place. Holy Spirit wants to set some people free so that you don't walk around carrying bag loads, truck loads of offense anymore. But we make a choice that we're going to leave them here. For some people in this place, we really feel like you, when I talked about the closed book, that is you. And maybe it's because you've been offended, you've been hurt, you've been let down in the past. So what you've done in order to protect yourself is build up barriers, build up walls so you can't get hurt. And today the Holy Spirit's saying, come on, it's time to let break down those walls. There's a freedom, there's a healing here. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, come and speak to hearts right now. 
just highlight areas of people that are carrying offense. Maybe for some of you, it's something that's happened this week at work or at home. Maybe for others, it's some things that you know have been building up over years. And right now, you want to let go. If you want to respond to God in some way this morning, the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit, saying, come on, it's time to choose to forgive, choose to let go of offense, put it down. Or maybe choosing, you know that you've built up walls. You weren't designed for isolation. You were designed for relationship. So I want to pray with you, every head bowed, every eye closed. Why don't you just raise your hand if you know you want to respond this morning to Jesus. Come on, all across this place. Moment right now to be honest with yourself. Jesus knows the barriers, the blockages. Let's not walk around with being weighed down by offense, unforgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for every hand in this place that's responding right now. Right now, we just make a choice. If we've been here, we're choosing to forgive right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, as we make choices to forgive, that you're going to bring healing, strength to people. The relationships are going to be made new because of what we're choosing today. For those people in this place that have built up walls, right now we just declare freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom to be real. Freedom for not letting baggage and hurt and pain build up anymore. We speak freedom for people right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and work, come and do heart surgery as we talked about this morning, right now in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, that what's going on right now, for some people in this place, will have generational impacts. For family members that are going to have a relationship restored and renewed right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you're married in this place, would you just raise your hand? Maybe if your spouse is here, you can raise your hands together. If not, that's okay. I just want to pray over marriages in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for every married couple in this place. And right now, God, we just want to contend for unity in marriages. Right now, we just speak your authority to come and bless every marriage that is represented in this place. God, I speak unity. I speak marriages that are strong, healthy, that have no room for offense to build. Where there needs to be forgiveness, God, I pray people would choose to forgive. Where there needs to be conversations that will lead to healing, God, I pray that that would take place. Holy Spirit, push people, urge people to have conversations that are going to bring healthy, strong, wholesome marriages. Right now, I declare healing for where it's needed, restoration for where it's needed. God, let you be the center of every marriage in this house. Right now, we just declare unity. Your word says where there is unity, you command blessing. So God, we speak blessing over them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. 
We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 